Hey y'all, Mark here. Thanks so much for tuning in. And this is one of those podcasts where I'm gonna have to go back and listen to again because uh, there is so much in there unpacking the Lord's Prayer with Phil. And one of my favorite parts of this episode was where we got to answer the questions that you all have been sending in via our text number, or social media. So thanks so much for engaging with us in that aspect. And think of those outlets for you to be able to have direct communication with us here on the podcast. And we'd love to hear from you and love to answer any questions that you have. If you are considering other ways to pray and what to pray for, we have our third service launch at each campus at the end of this month. So we love your prayers around that, as well as your prayers for the studio here to get finished in a timely manner so that we can start creating some more content to help people find and follow Jesus, not only in person, but online as well. So thank you so much for all of your contributions to this podcast. We are so appreciative. And now let's go ahead and jump into this episode with Phil. Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, everybody. My name is Mark. And I'm Phil. And Phil's here with us today. Both Jess and Rochelle are just enjoying their days today, so it's just, yeah, just Phil and I today. Like I'm sorry, everybody. Labor Day Plus. I know. Labor Day Plus. For we were just talking about how Monday holidays, as great as they can be, are sometimes not that great. They're the worst. They're the worst holidays. And so we're just trying to power through and get this short work week done. Yeah, well, because I think in lots of workplace environments, you like build your project plan or your KPIs or whatever you're working on, you like build it with Monday holidays right. in mind. So you're like, well, we're not going to have any deliverables that week because we know. Mm-hmm. But in church world, like we get a, there's a, a pretty clear public deliverable yep. every week. That every has week. to happen. Yep. And so uh, it's fun to be able to spend time with family and all that. But it is also like, I'm going to pay for this for the rest of my, it just feels like I'm, chasing eight hours of message prep in a week that is like already 24 hours less it didn't have a lot of free time to begin with so yeah Yeah. but it's great man i'm glad to be here hanging with you oh man i almost sat in jessica's seat don't tell her i just thought i "Mm." thought about that too actually just you know the seat of honor but Mm. it just mm -hmm. this is like when the jewish people would leave an open seat for elijah that's what we're doing right now for jessica so. We should have brought a little like fun coffee mug for her and then another bigger mm, coffee mug. That would have been good. That's usually her jam. Yep. That would have been good. Yeah. Next time. Next time, Jessica. Yep. Uh, and we have, thank you everyone, by the way, for all your support, um, whether that's volunteering and meeting with me or recommending things to do for the studio. We're actually going to have some work done right after this. So this podcast might be a little abbreviated and that's because we're doing a lot of work in here to get the space ready. You don't want us podcasting while they're doing that work. Correct. The work that they're doing today, you, well, that would be an interesting yeah, idea. Yeah. That, that would like be Construction something. site podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. Some time-lapse photography maybe. Yeah, exactly. That, that I could get down with. Yeah. But uh, let's just jump right in, Phil. Deal. Uh, we were talking about week two of prayer and teaching us how to pray. And so we talked about um, building off Cheryl's message last week, finding a posture of prayer. So what does that mean? Why was that important for week two? And let's run through your message a bit. Yeah, so uh, if you were with us last week, either in the message or the midweek podcast, Cheryl really covered kind of Jesus' preamble Mm -hmm. to this specific pattern of prayer through the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus spends a lot of time talking about what not to do, like the kind of, and I thought Cheryl did a great job um, talking about the place of humility and how we pray. Jesus was obviously talking about that in sort of one expression of prayer. I thought she did a nice job, like, 
doesn't mean that we can't pray in public. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that it just means that our heart of humility and I would say private prayer needs to be a key marker of our journey with God. If we want our uh, personal journey with Jesus to become an increasing part of our life, and then this week we actually got started in the prayer, right? So if you have been in church for a while, you've probably heard someone use this prayer, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on mm -hmm. earth as it is in heaven. And so we took those first couple verses, uh, and really I would argue what they're designed to do is change sort of the altitude, like help us to think at a higher level in the way we think about God. And so if we understand how big and powerful God is, and yet familiarly, he's our father, he loves us, mm -hmm. so intimate and powerful, transcendent and imminent. Um, and then we talked about how this kingdom that God has is different than our kingdom. And, uh, you know, I, I think you probably have heard me say before, I think this is maybe a Mark Sayers quote, that we live in a culture that wants the kingdom without the king. Mm. And I think that Jesus in sort of the first verses of the Lord's Prayer reminds us that there, that the kingdom of heaven has a king. That's actually its distinguishing element. Mm -hmm. um, and so before we get anywhere else, before we pray like we're going to pray this upcoming weekend for the stuff that we want, that we would be reminded of who God is, of the kingdom that he reigns and rules over, of the eternality and scope of our God, mm -hmm. and that everything else that comes through the vehicle of prayer, uh, sort of like those glasses of understanding God that way, becomes the way we see and experience all of it. And I think it's um, hopefully a helpful muscle for us to develop in our own prayer, where we're not just kind of jumping to what we want. Yeah. So, And I love that you started with the the altitude perspective piece of that. I feel like that's key to understanding prayer not as a, a means to an end or a habit or ritual that we need to be in, but really entering into examining our lives and examining our wants and our needs and running that through the filter of, does this align with God's and what God's plan is for me or not? And so you, you started by saying that you were on a trip to Colorado and you went on this gnarly hike in order mm -hmm. to prepare for, prepare for that. You had to do some runs there, but altitude was there as well. And so how was that hike? Was it good? Was it, um, did that preparation help as much as you wanted it to? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you don't know this, we lived in Colorado for seven years. And so when I live in Colorado, you don't even really think about the altitude. You right. just kind of, it, it's only when friends come in from out of town, which mm -hmm. actually there's probably some good spiritual principles, mm -hmm. even for like when you invite a friend into a spiritual conversation or you invite a friend to come to church with you, there's probably a spiritual altitude that you're used to functioning at that you're assuming they're ready for. Mm -hmm. And so every time you have a guest come in and visit you when you live in Colorado, um, I mean, they call it the Mile High City for a reason, right? You're high all the time, not just like people because they smoke weed, but like they're at a higher elevation sure. with less oxygen. And so um, I think there's probably a good spiritual metaphor we could tease there for a while. But uh, yeah, it was, it was great to be back and just to see people. And yeah, that first run was really hard. <laughs> just mm -hmm. remind, you're reminded like, oh man. And since I've been in Colorado, I've, or since I've been in California, I've gotten a lot more into uh, road biking. Shout out Menlo. Park Presbyterian yep. Church Cycling Club. And PPCCCCC. Sure. Yep. yep. Uh, which is a group of us that, that bike uh, most weeks. Um, and so there's there's ways when you're on a bike where you can like take a break, right? You can coast for a while on a mm -hmm. downhill. 
none of that exists when you run. So that combined with the altitude was a lot. Uh, but yeah, getting a couple days of that in and then going on the hike was, uh, it was fun. It, I think the thing that's uh, always interesting when you go on a hike like that is if you're with people who are not normally in altitude, which a couple of the guys that were on the hike was just four of us that went, but a couple of the guys, they live like essentially at sea level. Mm -hmm. And for them, they came in with no time to get acclimated. And mm -hmm. one of the guys, not going to um, put him on blast or anything, he like did not even bring a bottle of water with him up. And so by, I don't know, 500 of the 2750 steps, He's like borrowing water, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you can't, yeah. you'll die. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it, there were definitely parts. I think for me, it's about halfway up when you get about halfway up sure. something like that. And mentally, you know, it will be more steps for me to just turn around and go back down than to just finish. I may as well just finish. Yep. So in my head, I'm just, it's the mental game of getting to that. Hmm. Um, so we did and. It was fun, and the view at the top was really beautiful. And then there's kind of like some switchbacks back. That's much longer, uh, but you know you're not you're not yeah, worried you're going to fall down. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it was it was great, and I think uh, hopefully for people like a helpful metaphor to understand as it relates to my prayer with God. You know, I've I've used the metaphor sometimes with prayer of the difference between like instant pot and crock pot. You know, and I think altitude hmm. is another way of getting at that same idea. Or uh, like fast food drive-through versus a well-prepared meal, and we go. Well, I really, you know, like I just, I only have time for fast food. I only have time for the instant pot, and you know, I, I think that um, as a part of a balanced diet, that makes tons of sense. But if my regular habits with God are always fast food, if my regular habits with God are mm -hmm. always instant pot, I just think we're missing out on uh, a level of intimacy and connection with God that can much more easily inform the decisions that I make every day, which I would argue is actually the spirit of what prayer is supposed to be. Paul says mm -hmm. uh, that we should pray without ceasing. John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever mm -hmm. abides in me and I abide in them, they'll bear much fruit. So this idea of constant connectedness. Mm -hmm. um, I hope we talked a little bit this weekend about how our posture in prayer uh, increases the likelihood of more frequent connectedness to God. And it doesn't just have to be, hey, did I spend my 15 minutes with God this morning? Well, right. I hope you did. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also hope that there are pockets and ways throughout your day where you're able to kind of pull back and go, God, I, as big as this problem is, as stressed as I am about my marriage, as hard as this financial corner we feel backed into might be, God, you're bigger than all of it. Your kingdom come, your will be done in this area, in this meeting, in this day, as it is in heaven. Um, and then when we go back to it, we go back to it, hopefully with the confidence that mm -hmm. the God we were just talking to, none of this is a surprise. Yeah. My mind, as you're, as you're running through that, just goes in so many different tangents. And I think f to, help, to help me understand a little bit more, I'm kind of hearing a chicken before the egg kind of thing in relation to what you just said last, meaning will me spending intentional time and posture in prayer lead towards what I am, I'm air quoting here, like supposed to be asking for with my life? Mm -hmm. Or will the reorienting towards what God wants me to do, therefore inform my posture of prayer and how I am living my life to be more prayerful. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. And, and I would say the answer is yes. Okay. Um, but the the passage that, as you're saying that, the passage that I think lots of us 
maybe have heard at some point comes from Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, or some, some translations say rejoice in the Lord always. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And you, 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 know, you may have heard somebody like yes. on a Christian television network basically say, hey, if you are really connected to God, he'll give you whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is ripping that verse out of context. It's exactly as you described it, right? That as, as I am walking closer and closer to Jesus, my heart is aligning to what he wants, right? So when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, mm-hmm. what we mean is not mine. Yeah. Uh, what we mean is, God, I need a heart transplant. So this idea that as I delight myself uh, in the Lord more and more, he will give me the desires of my heart, that li- is literal. Like he's going to give me what I want. Uh, and then as I pray for what I want that God has given me to want, and my will and my prayers align with what God wants, then my prayer will become much uh, more effective. The um, half-brother of Jesus, James, he says, uh, the prayers of a righteous person accomplish much. The reason for that Mm -hmm. is because a righteous person is staying connected to God more and more, and what we are praying for is more and more in line with what God wants. Prayer at its core, right, is far more about what God wants to do in me, uh, but what God does through me will always, always, always be in step with God's will. He's never going to go like, well, I guess I'll, I mean, I really like Mark and he prayed that, so I better give it to him. No, 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 no. God's going, whether Jesus said at the end of his prayer in Gethsemane, like I talked about this weekend, um, take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Whether Jesus prayed that last part or not, God was going to do that. (laughs) And so I think that's a good reminder that as we're praying, and we're like, well, and you hear people say this sometimes, like, babe, be careful what you ask for. No, no, no. Like, God wants you to be the vehicle by which his will is carried forth. But, mm-hmm. you know, the world's not going to fall apart because a bunch of Christians are praying for the wrong thing. God's still God. And we get to be a part of God ushering in his will through the prayers of his people. I think that's what we see over and over again as we see the pattern of prayer in Scripture. I just hear people in my mind saying, don't pray for patience. Right, exactly. That's, God, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. pray for patience. That's not a prayer you want to pray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just think there's a there's like a bully with a magnifying glass thing that we do to God sometimes, where we're like, "Oh, God's mm. just waiting," you know. And you're like, "God, would you just help me be patient?" And he's like shining up the magnifying glass, mm-hmm. and we're the ants, and he's just like, "Okay, here's some yep. patience, buddy." Yep. Like we have a loving Father that really right. cares about us. And are there going to be parts of our growth and life development and journey that are hard? Of course, like absolutely, mm-hmm. right? It's just like the climb up, mm-hmm. uh, but every step is preparing us for the next step. And, uh, you know, what's the alternative? The alternative is that you're just going to, like, coast for the rest of your... Nobody right. wants that. I mean, I hope not. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I would... Hopefully, if you've heard somebody say, don't pray for patience, you just kind of go like, hey, when I think back to the way that Jesus taught us to pray, and he says, our Father, like our loving Heavenly Father, with infinite love that he gives equally to all, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, that is, he's not a bully. Like, mm-hmm. he loves us. He wants to bring thoughtful care into our life, just like, you know, w- we see Jesus talk about if, uh, as a earthly parent, we know how to give good gifts to our kids. Imagine how much our Heavenly Father wants us to give good gifts, or wants to give good gifts to us. And so when we say, God, mm-hmm. you know what I can handle way more than I know what I can. You know that when I reach the limit of what I can't handle, God, it, it forces me to turn to you. And so, God, w- as I as I grow in patience this week, would you help me see the opportunities that I need to seize? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there'll be some of those that are hard, of course, mm-hmm. absolutely. But uh, the alternative is worse. Yeah. And then the 
the other side of the coin of if, you know, don't pray for patience because that's what you're going to get, in my mind is if I don't say things exactly the way they need to be said, or there's not this magic formula, and yeah, if I yeah. didn't say those words right, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. The the sort of incantation, right. you know, like the pin code thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned it this last week, but I'm going to talk about it this upcoming week, which I think actually lots of us think that God is a vending machine. Um yeah, I, I think uh, you're giving yourself a lot more credit than you should in terms of God going like, well, I guess my hands are tied. I have to do this. God never feels that way. God never feels that way. The creator of heaven and earth is not going like, well, I mean, they said the magic phrase, like he's not a genie in a lamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not a lotto ticket you figured out the number two. He's the God of the universe whose kingdom will come, whose will will be done. And we want to be... Uh, we want to be ambassadors. We want to be sons and daughters in a lost and broken world to make sure that people can find and follow Jesus. And so, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I know that we all have lots of things, even if you're not a Christian, not a person of faith, we all have lots of things that we're like worried about. What if I do prayer wrong? And uh, I, I think that it's, especially if you're a parent, or maybe you're you're not a parent, but you can remember your parents in your life. Even if you didn't have amazing parents, there were times when you said and did silly things, mm-hmm. and your parents weren't like, "Well, I guess we got to go do that crazy thing." Like there was a there was a natural governor on your life to be able to do that. And when my four year old doesn't says silly things. Um, I don't go like, well, I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. I understand he's four, right? Like that, <laughs> that's a part of what our relationship yeah. is. And then as our kids get older and we have a 13 year old who's like really into coding. And so he's explaining coding to me and I'm listening, not because I care about coding. I don't, uh, because I care about him. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 the actual relationship, not transactional relationship mm-hmm. is this theme we see throughout the Lord's prayer and we get it in human relationships, but somehow we, we think of God less mm-hmm. and we're like, well, you know, what if God gets bored with me? What if I do it wrong? What if I say it wrong? What like, right. we do not need to carry mm-hmm. that kind of anxiety into our journey of prayer with God. So, yeah. And that, um, that really kind of comes down to God's character and who he is as a, and in the first line of this prayer, um, as a father. Right. And so I've always struggled with that language of God being a father, uh, not similar to your story. My, my father was not abusive, but he was a, a really good dad. Right. And so in the same way that you didn't like, need I a got bad, a, I got a good I one. I got a good one. Yeah, yeah. I don't need another yeah. one. Like, one is enough in a different exactly. way. Exactly. Yep. That's awesome. So what was helpful for you to coming around to using or identifying God as a loving father? Yeah, I mean, I think it, everybody's journey to understanding God as father is complicated. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people in whether we call it, you know, deconstruction, reconstruction, spiritual formation, in the the maturation of our faith, at some point, um, we have to understand that when we think about father, there's a lot of gendering that takes place, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, there's all these constructs that we put on it. Mm-hmm. And um, the way we think about male and female, uh, like in our normal context, both are created in the image of God. And so I think it's very important that we don't kind of go like, well, you know, the dad that comes home at the end of the work day and sits down and watches sports center and kind of grunts at you. That's what I'm working backwards from of my heavenly father. Uh, that is not true. That's peak dad. Uh, that, yeah, that is not true. Uh, God is this comprehensive, perfect, 
Heavenly Father. Now, I also think it's important for us that we don't completely untether that. There are some people that are like, okay. we shouldn't even call him Heavenly Father. He should be like Heavenly Parent. Well, there's ways throughout certainly the New Testament as well where that could have been broken down and it wasn't on purpose. So uh, I think that the scriptures give us great frames of reference for how we think about our Heavenly Father. Uh, there was this great sermon I heard uh, several years ago where uh, it talked a little bit about um, our Heavenly Father, and I think it, it is true that for a lot of us, the way that this preacher put it, he said, uh, I think for a lot of us, we're like super cool with Jesus. We love hanging out with Jesus. He's the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're a little nervous about meeting his dad, you know? And uh, he talks about this, like, made-up conversation mm-hmm. where Jesus comes home and he's brought some sinners with him, you know? And the Heavenly Father is like, what are you doing bringing these sinners into my house? Look, one of them tracked some sin in, you know? It's on the carpet. And uh, and Jesus is like, oh, don't worry, Dad. Like, it's fine. Glad you're here. That sin will come out. We'll just rub a little blood in it. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, and then we see, uh, you know, we think about our Heavenly Father. Uh, is He's in the backyard and he's, barbecuing sinners and he's drinking the blood of goats, you know? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's uh, that's not super far off of the way that <laughs> yeah. plenty of people think about the Father. And so I, I think it takes work to sit... When, when Jesus says, um, the Father and I are one, like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> Basically, like, as you get to know me, the Father will not surprise you. So I think like for a, a lot of how we understand and experience God, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the way I think for me personally and for I would say the average person trying to understand um, God the Father, it, it really begins by understanding Jesus. It really begins by going, okay, the flesh and blood experience that people had with Jesus that's chronicled beautifully, we can go back to and go, okay, Jesus kneeling down to meet with little kids, going in, taking time. He was so interruptible. He was so interruptible all the time. His schedule always had space for interruption. And he loved people well, and he met the needs of people, and he did things he didn't have to do. That's what our Heavenly Father is. And so um, I think that uh, understanding that at a core level takes time. Um, I uh, I did a, a pretty significant amount of therapy after my dad died, my dad died in 2018, um, and so my counselor, just a few days in, I may have told this story on the podcast before, uh, into our intensive together, he said, hey, tell me about how you think your relationship with God the Father is. I said, good, I think. And he said, well, I, I, heard, I hear you talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I hear you talk about Jesus. And if you're not familiar, the New Testament or the um, kind of biblical understanding of God is something called the Trinity, that it's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son. God, the Holy Spirit. So I've heard you talk about the Son and the Spirit a lot, but I have not really heard you talk about the Father. And he used this line. He said, a lot of times uh, when we experience pain and hurt uh, from our uh, earthly father, we will spend our adult lives wiping the face of our earthly father off the face of our heavenly father. And I would say that was definitely mm. true for me. Uh, and so, yeah, he, I had some kind of work to do through that uh, journey of therapy and um, some spiritual direction and stuff. And actually, the tattoo on my arm is is really a, a line that I felt like the Lord just kind of kept giving me through that experience around Father, that I had one who hurt, I have one who loves, and I am one who heals. And so just around identity and what it was going to look like to change my story and be connected to a father that would never disappoint me, that would never let me down, that loved me beyond what anyone else could love me, even when I 
did something that I shouldn't have, even when I fell short of doing something that I should have. Uh, and so, yeah, I, th I think all that, that journey, like if, if you're on that journey, either because you feel like it's disloyal to a great dad or because you're like, my dad was terrible or I don't even, I didn't even know my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say, be patient with yourself. God's patient with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the, the picture and story of Jesus can give us a great vehicle and avenue to understanding our own um, kind of connection to who God the Father is for us. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Sure. There's, I mean, just unpacking that first line of the Lord's Prayer, like we could spend hours mm -hmm. on that. And so what else did you wish you could unpack from just, we, we just kind of dipped our toes in the first three lines or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I, I do think that, that that first line, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, um, I think it's such a it's such a beautiful contrast by Jesus between sort of this imminent um, intimacy of God our Father, right? Like you mm -hmm. think about, um, you know, and, and as a father, I think I've talked about this. It's so unique for me uh, because, like everything that most people do with their dad, I never did. So, like learning how to ride a bike, learning how to shave, learning how to do. <laughs> basic things in life that are normally transferred from father to child, uh, I just had to figure it out. And I had to figure it out before YouTube, you know, like it was, it was a different, <laughs> it was a different day. YouTube sure. did not exist. Yeah. Um, and, and so this like intimate connection that now when I think about uh, sitting next to my kids and watching them day by day grow and develop or uh, be able to, you know, do, like we have one child that I taught to ride a bike this summer and they were like pumped about it. Really, they took to it very quickly. They loved it. They were telling me, hey, can, when can we go out? And then another child that is actually almost at the same level of skill, but hated the experience of learning. And as a father, like, I'm not gonna lie, like one was more fun <laughs> to teach than the other, but I considered it a gift to be able to do both. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I got to hold a baby this weekend, which I love babies. And you think about as a dad, like, oh my gosh, the level of care and just closeness. And so this, uh, yeah, this this contrast of our father that like loves as, as much as I could love humans, he loves us infinitely more than that. Like mm -hmm. infinitely more than, as though we were the only thing alive. That's how, because he's infinite. Um, and <laughs> hallowed be your name. Like, fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, and your worst mistake ever, God looks at you with the same love as though you'd lived a perfect life because of Jesus. Uh, I think that's a really, mm. uh, if you let it, I think that that can, you know, a lot of us, I think we don't pray because of this distorted view of God that we have. But if we understand that, we're like, whoa, that's amazing. Then I think we go, well, God, actually, I, I, if that's you, I kind of want to talk to you. I, I think it's hilarious. And mm -hmm. I see a counselor. I see a spiritual director. I think it's hilarious how in counseling is um, and how often we are probably talking to our counselor maybe more than we're talking to God. And I think a lot of that we perceive is, well, my counselor is not going to judge me. Hmm. My counselor is just going to listen. Um, and, you know, like God is the most kind, compassionate loving entity that's ever going to be in a relationship with you. So you should probably talk to him too. Um, so it, it just is an interesting moment that we find ourselves in. Um, but I, I think that contrast hopefully uh, can unlock a access to God or, or a desire for access to God that we already have. So. Great. 
Well, Phil, we, we've been extending a, uh, an opportunity for those that are listening along, engaging with us, with us on social media to send in their questions about prayer. Awesome. So we have a few that came in this week, and they're just around the general topic of prayer. I'm so ready. if I can throw one your way, uh, this one came in from Instagram. And it was, where did the classic posture come from? The bowing of a head, the the hands, the potential kneeling. Where did that start? Mm -hmm. And how does that play into prayer today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a great question. And really, I think some of this is based on tradition. So some of that is maybe even your own like theological tradition, the way you grew up or were raised. Uh, particularly, this is prescribed within Roman Catholicism, right? If you go to a traditional Roman Catholic mass, there mm -hmm. are actually kneelers mm -hmm. in the pew in front of you for this. Uh, this was very common and prescribed throughout different rabbinical schools of thought in Judaism. And so that then kind of carried through. But I would also argue um, it's some of what Jesus cautioned us against, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, Jesus does this not just with prayer, but also with fasting, um, where basically he's like, hey, here are all these like really what we would call performative. Mm -hmm. Here are all these things that people are doing basically just to be seen and noticed. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you like, don't do stuff just to be seen and noticed. Because if the reason you're doing it is for other people to notice you, well, good news, you've gotten your reward in full. You're not going to get it from me. I hope their approval was enough, right? Mm -hmm. Which in a like Instagram culture... Um, I would say we should be concerned about that, right? Like mm -hmm. your cup of coffee and Bible picture, think harder about the motivation of why you feel like you need to post that. Um, and, and then I think at the same time, understanding that physical posture is often a, a way for us to kind of open up our heart or mind or, or be more um, spiritually receptive, right? Cheryl will oftentimes uh, coach us through kind of opening up our palms just as a physical posture of openness. Um, but I think none of it should feel like it is uh, prescriptive, like you have to. Mm -hmm. They're all just sort of tools in your toolbox to be able to um, say, okay, God, what is it that I need in this moment? Um, and I think that, you know, years and years ago, I mean, I, maybe since I've been preaching in high school, um, certainly really close after that, I've kneeled before I preached. And for me, honestly, it is a little performative. What I want to do is show everybody in the room I'm not in charge. <laughs> like what I want to do is say like, hey, we're all sort of submitting to somebody that is not me. Um, and so uh, I, I try to explain that because it's weird if you're not a church person. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I would just encourage you if, if you find a physical posture helpful, right? Like we have examples uh, in the Hebrew scriptures of literally like laying down prostrate, like f face to the ground, um, and, you know, sometimes what we see is when uh, people would come before the presence of God, they would do that sort of instinctively. Mm. Um, but that's not compulsory. You don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. So whether that's palms up, whether that's kneeling, whether that's sitting down, whether that's head bowed, like it's really about what allows you to eliminate distractions and be most present in that moment of prayer. That's great. And then maybe this is a, a mark add-on to that question. Yeah. Does prayer have to be, close your eyes, I'll start with, dear God, Father, does it have to, is, and then end with an amen or in Jesus' name, or can prayer be a walk in the woods? Can prayer be a, I'm going to listen to this music thoughtfully? How, how would you describe as entering into and furthering that posture of prayer? Yeah, I think that prayer 
is a conversation with God. So I think there's a way to which we can, you know, some of what you just described, I think we may say is like more a meditation, right? Sure. Where we go, hey, I'm going to be more aware of my surroundings and the mm -hmm. fact that God created them. I would say that that may be like a more thoughtful or meditative experience of that moment. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that when we consider really the core component of prayer is a conversation with God. Yep. And I think there's probably lots more space in our conversations with God where we should stop talking and just mm -hmm. wait, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And Mark tried to do that at Menlo Park this week, and we're all pro sort of pre-programmed. People just get praying. Yeah. Um, but he's like, hey, we're going to stop after every line. And just and I, I sort of built that into my message yeah. on purpose um, to give people a chance to hopefully just listen and pause. And what's the Lord bringing to mind? And what, you know, just what is that doing in your spirit? Um, so I think there is more time for listening in our prayer. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the idea of like, dear God, Heavenly Father, how we address and how we finish prayer, I, I think is a lot more about us than God because, you know, He knows everything. <laughs> so it's not like mm -hmm. it's not like He's waiting and He's tuning the radio dial when someone says, dear God, or when someone says, in Jesus' name, He's like, oh, now I care what they said. Um, <laughs> but I, I... It doesn't count if they didn't. Right. Exactly. I mean, I yeah, I grew up in a tradition yeah. where that was kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think that those are helpful cues for us, right? Yeah. Who do we address? Well, Jesus just gave us the pattern, our Father, right? Mm -hmm. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I would say, in general, the most... Um, the, the, the most common way that we see people address God as Father... And this idea of in Jesus' name as our mediator is like a helpful reminder that that's why we have access to God the way we do. Um, I don't think it's a mountain. I think it's a molehill. But I would also say that the way that sometimes people delineate or bifurcate the Trinity and then they like pray to the Holy Spirit, um, I don't think it's like heretical, but you will not find a scriptural example of it. So... Um, what we see over and over again is that the Father is the one who's addressed. Mm -hmm. So, great. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, fun... We got one more, and it could open a can of worms. Ooh, my favorite. I so, love cans of worms. Um, we're just going to preface this question with: you can take this. Um, there's some kind of open language here, but is all prayer good prayer? I think what this what this question is mean, and I've talked about this with a few other pastors on mm -hmm. staff, and it's kind of fun to see where people are at with this question. But let's just say good prayer, meaning, uh, well, you can take it with how you want to take it. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think God wants to hear your prayer. God wants to hear your prayer. God wants to hear your prayer. Mm -hmm. um, now, this is not a super fun take, maybe not a super popular take, but if you are not a follower of Jesus, your access to God through prayer is different. So, like, God's listening to you, uh, but when we say, like, in Jesus' name, we're saying, like, I have a relationship with you, God, because of the finished work of Jesus and my life submitted to his, right? That is a different relationship. When we when we hear those words from James, the prayers of a righteous person accomplish much, there is an antonym to that statement. Like, that says one thing, but if you go the other way, like, prayers of someone who has not pursued Jesus, who is not interested in Jesus, don't accomplish much. That's the inference of that verse. Mm. So I think God wants to hear all of it. I think, and, and God is hearing all of it. God's hearing, by the way, whether we're praying or not, like mm -hmm. that, 
uh, if you're a faithful follower of Jesus, but you have that like incendiary gossip filled conversation that you're like, I'd never pray that just so you know, God can hear that just as clearly. Again, <laughs> it's not a radio dial. He's waiting like, Oh, well, somebody sent me a message. Like he, mm-hmm. he hears all of it. And actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, the book of Hebrews says that the Holy Spirit living inside of us actually grieves when we choose to make choices that the Bible would call sinful rebellion against God. He's got a front row seat to them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think God wants to hear all of our prayer. Um, and even for somebody that's praying not to God, somebody that's praying to a false God, to a God that doesn't exist, I think God hears that prayer too, you know? Um, but I think ultimately we want to we wanna be praying in a way that is A, to the one true God, and B, that is receptive to the kind of work and transformation that want, that God wants to do in our lives. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's... Um, yeah, I'm sure there's more behind that question that someone is asking, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think if you're going, well, I don't, because here's what I don't want. I don't want somebody going, well, I'm a, really afraid that I'm going to pray wrong or that I'm like going to offend God, and so I guess I just won't pray, and I would not want anything like that to hold someone back. Yeah. That's great. I'm going to have to re-listen to that. Sure. Hey, you know, but I think that's the, the idea of... Um, mm. I can, uh, I'm going to ask my non-Christian friend, uh, God, would you show up in my life this way? There's a reason that Christians are supposed to pray. There's a reason that we're, that there's a reason that we say, hey, can I pray for that surgery you have this week? Can I pray for your marriage with you? Like, you might think this is just, oh, silly, they could just pray for that too. If they're not a Christian, their prayer won't do as much. And I would argue that actually the best prayer for a, for you to like coach a non-Christian friend through is to sort of, there's a biblical framework in the Old Testament called a fleece, and uh, it comes from a specific story. But it's basically a, a way of saying, God, if you, if you would do this, you'll show me you're real. And so even to be able to pray with somebody that maybe it's a, a you know, a, a coworker at Meta with you or somebody that you're doing work with at school or somebody that's in your neighborhood and you know they're super closed off to God, but there's a crisis in their life. Hmm. And for you to say, hey, can I pray for you? I think God's going to show up. And uh, by the way, not just saying, I will pray for you, saying, can I pray for you right now? And I would just say, even in that prayer with that person saying, God, would you show yourself as real and true to them? Would you make yourself known in their life by uh, answering this prayer about their marriage, by showing up this week in that difficult meeting at work, by answering this prayer related to their health diagnosis? Um, I think that God wants to answer those prayers. Uh, and, and by, I think, oftentimes crises, people who are very close to God may uh, get a chance to go, oh, this is real. And you get to model that prayer is not your last line of defense. (laughs) It's not like, well, if it doesn't work out this week with the doctor, you let me know, and then we'll start praying about it. No, 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 no. Pray right now. Pray that when they go in and they do the scan, they have an inexplicable level of healing that's already taken place. I've been doing ministry for so long, and I've heard that line so many times from like the most atheist, agnostic people and doctors, they're going, I have no medical explanation for what I'm seeing right now. And I just go, go God. That's awesome. And then when doctors are able to perform what we would have called miracles not very long ago, I just go, awesome. Go God. And then when we think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they say, Mm -hmm. our God can deliver uh, deliver us from this. And even if he doesn't, he's still God. 
than being able to walk with people because every everything that we pray for, everything we pray for this side of heaven is always a temporary request, right? Mm-hmm. That healing is temporary. That deliverance is temporary. Uh, that relationship restoration is temporary because death is coming. And the only ultimate that we ever look forward to is eternity with God. It's already been secured. And so we go, okay, God, even if you don't answer it on this side of heaven, I know you will on the other. Mm-hmm. But I, I, can't, I can't underscore that enough. If you have people in your life who are not Christians and you're like, I bet they're praying to God about this. God's doing less with their prayers. <laughs> And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're an ambassador for hope in heaven. Like you can pray for them. God wants you to. That's a core function of what we're supposed to do. And uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hopefully people see that reflected in us. And uh, maybe God uses it to draw them to himself. Wow. Always come away challenged, Phil. Hey, thank you. Scriptures usually do that for all of us. Yeah. Well, if you have any prayer requests or if you need some encouragement on praying for that neighbor that came to mind or that coworker or that person you're studying with, please let us know. You can text us at 650-600-0402. We'd love to encourage you in that process. We'd love to answer your questions as well. So you can reach out to us through uh, through that number or on any of our socials pages. Uh, Phil, thanks so much for being here. Of course. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a fun series. Um, this is one that like, if you missed last week, go listen to it before yeah. next week because they kind of build on themselves. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I hope it'll be it'll be a fun, it's going to be a fun season at Menlo. I, I gave folks a chance just like sort of a peek a little bit at where we're going to be after this series yeah. in the yeah, yeah, Exploring yeah. God series that starts at the end of this month when we go to three services. Um, and I hope that part of what we're doing, right, is going, hey, who are those people in our life that God has just placed a burden on our heart for, right? That we went to um, Peter writing about, he's not uh, slow as some consider slowness, uh, but basically like God is waiting for the end of this era to come because he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to know him. Like God is, God is delaying the inevitable return of Jesus so that you and I have time mm. to tell our neighbor to tell our coworker, mm-hmm. for our kids and our grandkids, for people who don't know God, who are close to us and far from Him, to meet Him. And I think that series will be really helpful, but I, I would say before you ever think about inviting somebody, pray. Pray that God would show up in their life. Pray that God would place something in their world that would just make it very obvious that He's real and that He loves them. Uh, let God do the preheating in their soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we, ask for, if we ask for the boldness to invite, uh, without asking the work in their heart to be ready for it. I just think we're wasting an opportunity. So. Amen. Yeah. See, it counts now. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> See you.